0: in hello hello everyone and welcome to get a grip with coachy licks i'm your host coachy Elix, with me my amazing the one and only Stephen the medium steven the medium who happens to be also my amazing husband going sure. into 31 years and i know what you're thinking 31 years did you just meet you know in the, um kindergarten close you could say very close because we're not that old. Just saying, how are you, Stephen?
1: I'm just listening.
0: <laughs> I, I I love it. <laughs> you don't have anything to add
1: to that? No, Shocking. No. Every everything you said, I'm on board with.
0: <laughs> okay, so it's good, and I am excellent. Mark, can you put that one on the record? Everything I say, he's on board with. He's, I didn't say that. It, it, I that's exactly what you just said. So. Uh, that's on the record going forward. So, Stephen, how are you? I'm excellent. Yes, yeah, so, so what makes you excellent? What are you up to? What has been going on? We, we've been up to a lot of stuff. Um, yes. uh, just came last week we had your show, which was really amazing. Stephen um, joins uh, WARA every last Friday of every month in last Friday was his turn to take on the show, and it was an amazing show. Get um, through this—I was going to say—get a static. Oh, through I'm the static, say that. Get, a <laughs> get a spirit. Get a spirit. <laughs> get a spirit. That's actually a, a, another could potentially be another name for for yet another show. But anyways, um, so you had your show, but before that, we came from Puerto Rico. We've been in Puerto Rico. Um, handling my mother's estate, so we've had a lot going on. So, what's going on with you? Well, you asked me, and then you started talking. I thought I was never going to get a chance to say. Just saying. Now you know how. See what I, I feel. go through. Yeah. <laughs> now you know how I feel. Okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, last week was wonderful. I love doing through the static, and you know, for like four and plus years, I did it every week, and so now that I get a chance to do it at the end of the month is a great thing. Exactly what you said Elix the I'm working on a project or uh, for both of us and it is interesting exciting a lot of work so but I I just love how everything is coming together and can't wait for the end result and you know last Sunday you came with me because I did a group event at someone's home which was amazing a mediumship event. And I think there was 11 people, I think. 11 or 12
0: uh, people, something yes, like that.
1: Yes, it's, it's something like, like that, right. And it was it was like the greatest group of people. It was um, um, some siblings. There's, there's a, a family of uh, the siblings of one of nine. Not all nine were there, but I think five were there. And then some you know, f- friends and um, I think cousins. But i'm bringing bringing it up because this was the coolest thing and i love the fact that you're with me Helix, because you get to witness this i'm about halfway through they're on this big sectional in the living room and i'm about halfway through and i asked um i'm reading this one of the siblings the actually the youngest of nine and i'm reading her and i said to her behind you are three kids and they're, like, jumping up and down, and they're really excited, and I know they're connected to you. And I said, I keep hearing Michael. And she freaked out because growing up, because she was the youngest, and there were a couple of years between her and the, and the next uh, youngest, or next oldest, rather. So she knows she, was, she had a lot of time by herself, so she had these three <laughs> Um, and she's telling the group, she had these three imaginary friends, and she named all three of them, two girls and a boy, and the boy's name was Michael, that she named. And she's she's like getting so excited. And does that mean that they were real? I knew they were real. And, of course, all the siblings knew their names because she used to share that with everybody into adulthood. Right, Elix? Mm-hmm. And, and just talking about... Where, where did they go, and 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 were they were they real? It was incredible. It was my my first validation for somebody that when you're younger and you have these imaginary friends, more often than not, they're not in your mind. You're actually seeing spirit. You're seeing kids. So when she was younger, you know, she can't. You know, as that age, you don't. Have, you can't filter and you can't decipher between. You probably know it's a, it's different, but it's no big deal. It's friends. It's kids, right? So whether you can physically see them or see them in your mind's eye, they're there. They get to play with you. And that was that was pretty amazing,
0: was it not? I, I, I think so. But, but you're, I mean, I think anyone listening to that story can relate because as children, I can't imagine anyone that didn't have imaginary children. I mean, imaginary friends, I had them. You know, and, uh, and I think just like you said, when we're kids, children don't have the filter that adults have. You know, where as adults, we're like, oh, no, that's not possible. That's not possible. And we look to justify, you know, things because we don't believe it's possible. That's the filter. Children don't have that. So I, I personally don't have any doubts whatsoever that my imaginary friends were spirit people in spirit and um and she was blown away i mean it was fascinating just watching her because these were real people that in her mind she knew there were there not just invented so that was pretty I, amazing steven
1: i love how she looked at all her siblings across like spread across the room they're looking back in awe. you know like, yeah What? But I think, you know, I think yeah. a lot of kids have imaginary friends, but I don't think the majority of of kids turning into adults either. I don't think the majority of people name imaginary friends to the level she did. And I also think that because you get once you get into school and the filters start coming down and start changing your perception, those those sort of most memories sort of leave. They may not be gone, but it's not something that you live as an adult and have with you like in the in like the a very close section of your memory. So I think she's the minority, but I just love the fact that she she felt it. So clearly, she's very connected. And that validation was pretty amazing. So you just don't know what is coming out in these readings, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what that, that
0: whole group was very connected. But Steven, talk about the other reading that you recently had in your office in person, you know, and it was the first time that you experienced Something like that, because that was fascinating also.
1: Oh, this this was yesterday that I, I was in my office and I had a, you know, a, a day of readings. And I brought this mom and daughter in. And as um, I went out, because, you know, I have like, like usually 15 minutes in between readings and I have to sort of like, you know, get mentally prepared for the new people coming in and get rid of the other spirits that I just finished with. So I go to the door, I open it up, and it's a mom and daughter, they come walking in, and as they're walking in first, I see a woman behind them walking, but she's sort of walking slowly, this is in spirit. So when I sat down, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm getting the phone, my iPhone ready, because I record it, the, the audio of part of it, so I'm recording it, and I am simultaneously speaking to this woman because she's like in midway in the floor and my office is pretty big and i said so i'm assuming you're first i said so who like who are you you know as i'm setting up the 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 audio and she puts her hand to like to her this is in spirit puts her hand into like her finger into her mouth like shh like and i i'm like was kind of surprised i'm i had never heard that from spirit i'm i'm, I'm like i'm like why why and then i heard somebody say um well she actually said i'm here but i don't want them to know that i'm necessarily here so i'm like oh my god where do, where do i even go with that so I, I guess i'm not saying anything i start the reading up and um the a grandmother comes through not this woman but a grandmother comes through and it almost immediately she outed her so i had to i had no choice i said i gotta tell you something and i told her what I just explained, you know, right now about the woman walking behind. And I said, I don't know if this is another grandmother, if this is like an in-law. I said, but she's here. But she said not to let you know she's here. But your other loved ones in spirit are saying, tell you guys she's here. And then the mother and daughter mouths dropped and looked at me and said, on the drive here, they asked this particular person, and I'm not going to tell you what family member it is, not to come in to the reading specifically do not come into the reading and of course i didn't know that that was
0: amazing yeah amazing i would say that that is amazing steven when if people are listening and they're wondering uh you know because you do have some in-person appointments in your office for those who are local to massachusetts here but um if, if they're listening and saying, oh, I didn't know that you do groups, what, what are your guidelines to do a group? Because I know you don't do just groups for everyone. So what what are the guidelines?
1: Well, number one, when I walk in, you compliment me for about the first minute my, when you I'm you he'll, he'll how my you, hair looks.
0: Don't, yeah, don't you worry. You don't, <laughs> you don't even have to worry about that because if you don't compliment <laughs> it, he'll bring it up. He will absolutely bring it up. Like, did you like are you going to say something about my hair or, or my pants or my shoes? So, yeah. So, move on. Move on, Betty. Next. Move along, Betty.
1: The, everything is on my website, but just in, a, in a, a nutshell, for me to travel, I do, no matter what kind of, whether it's an individual, two, three, four, five, in my office, all of them, right? But if I'm going to travel to somebody's home, it has to to be a minimum of 10 people with a maximum up to 20 people so that everybody gets read so it has to be a minimum minimum of 10 people and you don't necessarily have to have 10 people but the fee is based on 10 people because i just get like i'm overloaded with emails can you come to my home there's going to be three of us there's going to be four of us and it just time wise I can't you know I I would be traveling so much. So those are pretty much the guidelines but other than that it's just me getting there and um if it's a if it's a really long distance like say if I have to go to New Hampshire um then I will definitely tack on or add on a higher fee just because Tra- of the transportation expenses, Yeah, yes. but but usually you know usually it's um if it's if it's close enough you know it's 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 the same fee but everything is listed on my website you can
0: but but the good thing, yeah. if you Go ahead, sorry. You, it's I was gonna topic. say you can submit a
1: form. You can submit a form if you like, um, and how many? You know, a particular date if that's available. So, but there's ton of information on my website. So.
0: Okay. Well, I now was gonna say that it's it's worth it because when you do a group, um, those small groups, everyone gets a reading. So that
1: everyone does, everyone, but yeah. but you know what, Elix? There's a lot of people because I I I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago I did someone from Peru. So there's people obviously that need Zoom, the Zoom feature because they're not physically here, and Zoom is exactly the same as being uh, in front of me physically so there's no difference it's not like the connection of energy is a little bit less because you know I don't have you in front of me in person it doesn't it doesn't really matter and um, the to end that subject matter on a completely different subject matter I just want to say hi Jillian hi, our Jillian. good friend Jillian is listening hi yes. Jillian well hi
0: Jillian yeah your friend because you know clearly she she favors you <laughs> versus me just saying, we can. She's go our on. friend. Mm-hmm. She's our friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're the one that gets the extra soup or the extra salad or the extra whatever. um So, <laughs> anyways, move, moving right along, it's you know, it's it's time today. We have an amazing show. We have a friend and colleague back. She's been in the show on the show before, Deborah Harowitz. And today we are going to talk a really, really amazing subject, a subject I love about authenticity, being real, genuine and you. And honestly, Stephen, as you and I both know, if you're not being authentic in this world, that's like the foundation for living a lot, you know, living a thriving life. You got to be authentic. So we're going to talk about authenticity. What does that mean? You know, what does that mean to you? And how to practice being authentic, being real, being that genuine you all the time. So we're gonna take a small break, and when we come back, we are going to be joined by Deborah Horowitz. We'll be right back. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to Get a Grip with Coach Elix. I'm your host, Coach elix with me, my amazing co-host. Stephen Frederick. Stephen the medium, who also happened to be my amazing husband, and today we have An amazing guest, somebody who's been with us before and is joining us again. She's a friend, a colleague, Deborah Horowitz, who is a consultant, a clinical training specialist, transformational leadership expert. She's a multifaceted visionary leader and strategist with over two decades of progressive experience driving clinical psychoeducation business and training initiatives. And today, she's joining us, and we're talking about authenticity, being real, genuine, and being you. Hello, welcome. Deborah Hello, guys. How are you?
2: Hi. I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me again. I really, really enjoy hearing the two of you and, and all the things that you're up to. All
0: the, all the crazy?
2: <laughs> it's, it's life. That's the way it goes, right? That's one of the things about life is, and how we behave
0: that's right and deborah since the last time that you were part of the show uh i know that you recently f- um launched your new uh business the sunstone Evol- evolutionary coaching so tell us a little bit about that because i i i've been with you i've known you working on this project for a long time so I'm really excited that you finally launched it. So tell us about what that is.
2: This is our, our new company, and I have working with me an ensemble of 12 absolutely amazing individuals who, have, who are skilled in coaching, in being clinicians, in business solutions. And we offer the, the one-to-one coaching teams and organizations, but we also tag that together with consulting aspects, looking at workflows and pilots and processes, and then we also provide the learning and development education piece. So it, it really is this well-rounded um, ability to offer services that we can then directly tailor to the customer. And it's been an amazing journey. And I've met so many wonderful people along the way. And the website is sunstone-coaching.com. Check it out and, and send us an email. We're up and going.
0: Beautiful. Deborah, Sunstone, what's the name? Where is that name coming from?
2: So we called it Sunstone Evolutionary Coaching and Consulting, Sunstone, because that is an ancient way that uh, the Vikings used to be able to navigate their ships in cloudy weather. Now, if you're wow. here in Massachusetts, we're in cloudy weather at day 11. When yes. you can't see the stars, you can use this stone that will help navigate. So it's really about finding your way, finding your direction. And then this evolutionary process, which is you're not just doing tick boxes, you're not making just surface changes. There's a transformative process that our clients are involved in with us so that they own sustainable solutions for themselves.
0: Wow, that's wonderful. And honestly, we, it's part of our human experience to navigate through cloudy weather that's part of life, so that's really wonderful, uh, Deborah. And today we wanted to talk about authenticity, being real, genuine, being you. And I know being authentic or authenticity is one of those most misused words. Why do you think that is and how do you define authenticity,
2: Deborah? I think authentic has been misused and, and people do not know what are the actual components to being authentic. And so when we think about that, we see, you know, products advertised as authentic, but they're knockoffs, right? We see AI that is somehow still just slightly off that, that, that seems to look like us, but there's something not quite right with it yet. And so we also see people using it in a wounding way to others, such as, Well, I have, I'm authentic. I have to tell you this truth. Right? And that's not what authenticity really means. Authenticity means that you have these four components that you, during which you are both consistent, persistent, and insistent. Okay? So for, for words and actions, how consistent are you? Do your words and your actions align? Do you walk the walk? Mm. These are the people who say what they mean and mean what they say. It's not that they say something to you and then say something else elsewhere and have a different presentation. And while we all have different facets and the ability to be flexible, this this value of ours stays with us regardless of where we are. Mm. Is it persistent? Does my presentation, is it stable over time? Does it, does it, is it the same me that you saw five years ago, ten years ago, with regards to my values, my communications, my priorities? And am I insistent? Meaning that if somebody were to ask me who I was or who I am, I can articulate that. I can tell what my values are, what my principles are. So when we're talking about being authentic, it's a combination of, of skills, and um, states that help Mm -hmm. us then figure out who we can trust. And that's really the key here, right? Authenticity is about building trust and maintaining trust. And so being vulnerable is important. Can I be vulnerable with you? Can I show you my flaws and imperfections, or do I want to sweep them under the rug? Mm. Do I don't want to know what my other friends did during the day or that they knew about me? Am I selectively honest, right? Honesty, when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it's not pretty, is a sign of authenticity. So those are the but, beginning stages of it.
0: Yeah, let me let me ask you, though, because you, you did say, you know, at the beginning that oftentimes... Uh, and I, I can't remember exactly how you framed it, but you know, we say we're being authentic, but oftentimes authenticity can be hurtful. Our authenticity can. can be hurtful towards others. But how do you reconcile somebody who wants to be honest and open, and they call that being authentic, but that honesty may may hurt someone else? How do you reconcile that?
2: So when we're thinking about the people who are using authenticity and honesty as a tool, it's selectively honest. It isn't that they're inauthentic by having a tough conversation or a difficult conversation, but they're selectively honest, and they offer it as more wounding um, rather than as constructive feedback. It feels hurtful. The intent is hurtful, and it lands. And the impact is very different. If you think about um, all of us who have ever gotten an apology that wasn't, have mm-hmm. you had one of those? Right. Of course. What makes yes. an, what makes an apology not an apology?
0: It land, how it lands for the other exactly.
2: Person. How it lands, but also that the person giving the apology, right? The words and the deeds don't match up. I'm so sorry that you, putting the onus on the person that they've hurt. I wouldn't have to do this if you didn't do something else right? Mm-hmm. They repeat the behavior again even when corrected and you tell them how it lands. Right? Yeah. They're forced or coerced and their tone of voice. So people can can play at being authentic in very destructive ways and we see this a lot with with what we call narcissism today. That's where you see this destructive force.
0: Yeah and in that can't I mean for those of you listening you know, this is something that can play uh, uh, an important role in relationships. You know, whether it's a relationship with your husband or wife or significant other, relationship with children, relationship with colleagues. Because what you're talking about, Deborah, those conversations where we're sort, of, sort of being selectively authentic. Um, often land as uh, hurtful for someone else. Yes. And they create yes. more conflict than, than, than unity, if you will.
2: Uh, absolutely. And we've also also come across people who, it feels like what they're saying, they're in a production number. Like they should be on stage. You get a sense that they're playing a role and that, that, that underneath that mask, there is a lacking of substance. I sometimes mm-hmm. call it all fluff and no stuff, mm-hmm. and so that is another cue to us that those individuals are not trustworthy. Yeah, that they perhaps might not be reliable or responsible. Yeah, um, and and yeah, go ahead.
0: No, no, Deborah, I <laughs> I honestly that to me is one of my the, the thing one of the things that I hone in. lot because when I'm in relationships with anyone right uh, I'm often paying attention to to how how the conversation lands for me and oftentimes there's when when the when the talk doesn't match the walk I I and you you know that feeling, right? When somebody's saying the right thing, but it just doesn't land for you somehow. Something something is missing, and you don't quite you can't quite tell what it is. Sometimes I I that gives me pause, because that then leads me to say, "Hmm, what's missing here? Uh-huh. The presence of which would make a difference in in this conversation." You get what I'm saying?
2: Oh, absolutely. It causes a lot of confusion on the part of the person in that conversation with the person being inauthentic, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't know what you're going to get given the situation because it can change that way so quickly. And and it does. It impacts our ability then to create intimacy, to create these bonds that we so desperately want and social connection with people. And it's interesting, too, that those who who use authenticity as a tool rather than as it being a part of who they are as people, they have a lot of charisma. Mm. If you look at some of the biggest industry leaders, the biggest actors and actresses, the biggest in anything, right, they often have charisma. Charisma isn't the same thing as authenticity, Making people attracted to you doesn't make you authentic. Yeah,
0: it makes people attractive to you for a reason. And you know what, Deborah, we do need to take a small break. Let us take a small break. I have plenty of other questions to ask you about authenticity. So hang in there. We'll be right back. You got it. And hello, everyone. Welcome back to Get a Grip with Coach Elix. I'm your host, Coach Elix, with me my, my amazing co-host. <laughs> you forgot? <laughs> Stephen Frederick. Sometimes I forget, uh, but you don't let me forget. But also, <laughs> we have an amazing guest, our friend and colleague, Deborah Harowitz, who is now the founder of Sunstone um, Coaching and... Deborah, you you better help me with this one. I want to get <laughs> Sun, it right.
2: Sunstone Evolutionary Coaching and Consulting.
0: Beautiful. I didn't want to. I want. I didn't want to. You know, uh, say it the wrong way. But but, Deborah is talking today. We're having an amazing conversation about authenticity, what it means, being real, being genuine, being you. And you know, I love what you were saying previously, Deborah. One thing that I I highlighted as soon as you said it because it's so 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 true. So if you're listening, you gotta get the distinction. And Deborah, I want you to tell people the distinction. What's the difference? You talked about authenticity as a tool rather than as a way of being. Big distinction. Tell people what it the is. difference is.
2: It that's a huge thing. It means that you wield authenticity to serve your own purposes. It becomes an instrument with which you manipulate others rather than an actual depiction of who you are to the world. And that's how people get confused because these individuals are very glib and charismatic and to some extent can hone in on another's vulnerabilities and exploit that. Mm. And that isn't what we're talking about when we think about the state of being, who I am, and, and to your point, having worked with you, the way that we think about that is you just you discuss this concept of responsibility. Mm-hmm. How do we show up in any conversation? We can't control the other person's part in it, but we can determine how we show up. And are we transparent? Are we direct? Are we respectful? Do we feel that we've done what we needed to? To honor ourselves and the other person in that conversation mm-hmm. and so authenticity requires a level of self-reflection as well
0: and I will add that this to to that part of the conversation when we're talking of a way of being there's no doing you don't need to worry about doing anything a way of being is simply stepping into the space of being whatever it is that being means to you so so there's no doing and and when you talk about authenticity as a tool that that implies a lot of doing right
2: it, it absolutely does and it undermines the very nature of being authentic yeah i you love, know, when I we love are, that yeah go ahead when we are in a relationships where there's a lot of blame, that blaming is getting in the way of the definite empathy and integrity of the, of the parties involved, right? That is an inauthentic way. And sometimes people will blame in that issue about an apology that isn't. I'm so sorry that you, emphasis on you, feel that way. Nothing wrong with me, something wrong with you. Whereas authenticity requires that I take a look at my role in this. I own my part.
0: Authentically.
2: Authentically. And yeah. and that I am okay displaying it to other people. When I talk about insistent, how you know sort of insistent, is am I willing to stand up and say what I believe in or do I kind of keep it to myself and let it leak out somewhere else and not really take ownership of what I think? And that's some of the things we see a lot with online anonymous stuff. Yes. that that destroys trust, destroys credibility and is definitely inauthentic
0: Yeah no no question about it. Deborah is authenticity a learnable skill because I um, you know I, I wonder if our listeners are as we often do as human beings saying well I, I, I I'm not this way, or I'm not that way. And what that implies is I don't have this skill. I don't know how to because, you know, I don't have that personality type. So is authenticity a learnable skill?
2: It's so fascinating that you say that because, yes, we, we continue to learn and grow. And they say the brain doesn't finish developing until you're 25 or so, but I dare say it, it's to, until you're dead. And mm-hmm. so that there are always going to be opportunities To learn this behavior the question will be whether the individual ever takes that opportunity if there ever is an event by which they are given pause and so that varies depending upon how embedded the inauthenticity is or conversely how how productive it has been for the individual wielding it right um, if you are known to yell at your staff and scream at them and blare at them, and they're like, "Oh, I'm just being honest. This is just who I am," that's inauthentic, right? Yes, it's an emotional outburst, but that's not taking any ownership in the process.
0: Deborah, I want to. I just want to jump in quickly and and say, if you're listening and you're saying well you know that that doesn't apply to me because i don't I, I'm, I'm i'm not working with any staff but the same action applies i would i would argue if you're screaming at your husband if you're screaming at your wife if you're screaming at your children isn't that the same
2: it is and actually you can take your own authenticity inventory you know and that's important to check in with yourself and ask yourself the question. Do people perceive me the same way across situations? Right? Do do I feel like my words and my actions align? We get this thing all the time where people say, So how are you? And the person gives back to us, I'm fine. Well, clearly they're not fine because their tone of voice doesn't want match the words. So this invites you to take your own inventory. Do I own up to my flaws? Am I okay articulating my values? Do I walk that walk? Do I listen? Here's the biggest one, Elix, and you and I love this one. Do I listen to understand rather than to respond? And do I avoid trying to manipulate others? That's authenticity as a tool rather than as as a, a way of being in the world.
0: Yeah, so listening to understand rather than listening to, to, to confirm, listening to judge, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Right, often absolutely. Our,
0: often our listening already comes from judging, evaluating, uh, listening to confirm because often our listening comes from a place we ask a question but we already think we know what it is we want to hear. So when, when you don't hear that, then then that creates that conflict, right? Yeah. Um, between one another. And uh, so acknowledging that is is a form of being authentic. Acknowledging Absolutely. you're listening.
2: Absolutely. So, Letting people know that you're reflecting back to them, that you've heard what they said, and that you're inviting them into a two-way interaction. Yeah.
0: Now, Deborah, so what would you say to anyone who's listening and saying I how do I practice being authentic in my life what would you what would you tell them what is that like two three things that they could do that would put them in that space of practicing being authentic in their lives what would you say
2: I say a couple of things the listening piece is most important The next time you have a challenging conversation, try not to speak anymore till the other person finishes what they're going to say. Don't interrupt. And then instead of responding back with some kind of countermeasure, say, I heard you say this. Is that correct? Did I get this correctly? Because that shows empathy and vulnerability and a level of your own self-awareness. So you can practice these things in everyday interaction. You can make a list of what do you value most in the world. And if I value this thing, so I value tremendously being of service, you know this from talking with me. Of course. Do I embody that wherever I go? Or is it just something I whip out for that, you know, odd occasion? So asking yourself, what are my values? What are my priorities? How do other people know that they're my values? A great one is to, add, is to think about how your friend, your best friend, would describe you. Mm. Because that's what they're, they're picking up from you. If they consistently, say you have a group of five pre- friends, and all five of them say, she's incredibly honest, that's unbelievable confirmation Right. That's not just a story or an interpretation you made up in your own head that I'm honest. That's the impact.
0: Yeah, I, I would I would even add to to what you're saying, which is so rich and valuable, Deborah, that when when you're clear as to what your values are or what it is that you stand for to to also remind yourself that there's no conditions to that stand, there's no conditions to value. So when you say, as you said, you know, you value being of service, right? That value has to hold true regardless. So it's not you value being of service under this circumstances, but not these circumstances, or for this person, but not that person. You you don't get, we either honor the value, the stand, or we don't. There's no in between.
2: Absolutely, and that being of service then fits the the rubric of consistent, persistent, and insistent.
0: Mm. Persistent, consistent, and insistent. And insistent. I, yeah, I love that, Deborah. We do need to take another small break, but we're hanging there because I want to make sure that we, you know, continue to empower our listeners in in really understanding the value of being authentic in their lives. So we're going to take a small break. Deborah, hang in there. We'll be right back. Okay. And hello, everyone, and welcome back to Get a Grip with Coach Elix. I'm your host, Coach Elex, with me, my amazing co-host. Stephen is here. Stephen, the medium, is in the house, and we're talking to the amazing friend, colleague, Deborah Horowitz, who is... The founder of Sunstone Evolutionary Coaching and Consulting. I got it right this time, Deborah. Yes, you did. (laughs) And we're talking about authenticity, being real, being genuine, being you. And Stephen, you have something you want to add?
1: I do. Hi, Deborah. Hey,
2: how are you?
1: I'm good. One of the things that I wanted just to listen to was because you. This is both your wheelhouses, right? It's 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 what you both do. Listening to this, and and I'm sure a lot of the audience is doing the same. I could feel my life was the same way of being inauthentic for so many for so many reasons, starting with my dad taking his life and whatnot, and. The one thing, though, that ha- helped me so much with Elix was, I know, Deborah, ha- how when we stop becoming authentic in all the, d- the various ways and steps you you um, clearly told people and to, to, to pull in empathy was also empathy for the person who's not being authentic. So really what happened with me was Elix just understanding that somehow, some way, and I, I was never I never had from my perspective bad intentions of being inauthentic. It was just the anger I was coming from for so so many years. but then just that first sort of step from elix giving me that empathy, like forgive yourself like it, it, you can do this. you can you can apply this. you can change this with something that was so, so important to me. And is that something that somehow, some way your company brings in? I mean, I know it's a business as opposed to me and Elixir in a relationship, but is that something like how, how do you sort of hit that piece?
2: So you're absolutely right. Creating a space to have these honest and open conversations, even when they're difficult, can very much help teams, individuals in the workplace and in other areas. Get over that, that feeling of, uh, of being inauthentic. I mean, one of the things we hear a lot of is this notion of imposter syndrome, right? I'm not as good. I'm, and we may tell ourselves these negative things over and over and it takes somebody to hold a mirror up to us for us to be able to see what's inside. And so that's genuine authenticity. It's Alex, when he, as you describe it, right, didn't come at doing it as a means to manipulate you. What he did was mirror and build trust with you, so that you could be comfortable enough to really step into your own power of who you are.
1: It was definitely, yeah. I mean, and I always knew it was nothing about being manipulative. It just, it really was the the piece I needed, just to, to start. To start the yes. the, the yeah. thought process, just start like maybe pulling myself out of uh, taking myself out of my body and sort of recapturing or, or revisiting in an argument or so, and and start like dissecting it. It, it, it was it really was helpful.
2: I uh, I agree, and you know, mentors, therapists, friends, coaches, we help provide that mirror and a path to begin those journeys on which is so important. But one of the things I know that you'll appreciate, Stephen, is what you've always said, which is the universe loves abundance. And when people are genuinely authentic, they draw people who are authentic to them. And they. when somebody who is inauthentic comes toward them, then they're putting up appropriate boundaries. So what's wonderful about being so genuine is you get to be connected with other people who are that genuine, that passionate that builds on and sustains us in much better ways than our being inauthentic does.
0: That's really wonderful. It's really surrounding yourself by uh, Stephen, you and I talk about not in, in the realm of authenticity, but in the realm of you know, positivity, you know, we we seek like-minded people. Yes, you know, so I, I would imagine this is the same deborah there's there's a question from somebody in the live stream, and the question is from Sandra, is authenticity the same or equal sincerity?
2: Not necessarily, um, particularly because people can seem extremely sincere when they lie, right <laughs> yes <laughs> and and so well, sincerity, is a a part of authenticity it's not sufficient it's not a replacement um and people who are inauthentic but use sincerity or the the uh mask of the appearance of sincerity are are doing it from a very different place
0: wow that is a good good nugget to to keep in mind authenticity is not the same as sincerity it's important to be sincere but it's not the same as being it's, authentic.
2: it's really one right it, it is it is not just a feeling state it's a behavior it's over time it's consistent other people recognize it so it, it can be part of but not not sufficient for the whole thing
0: wow So, Deborah, we are reaching the top of the hour and I want to give you the platform to just really share with our listeners, you know, what is what would you like the golden nugget for them to take away um, with be today regarding being authentic?
2: I would want them to take away with the fact that being authentic is in your best interest. And it is something that will bring you connections that might not otherwise be made without it. So it's really foundational. It's not an option um, for people who want to have these really meaningful purpose, um, mission connected with other people, um, aspects of their lives. And you can do this. You can learn how to do it. You can have people help you how to do it, like coming in and having us come into your workplace or one to one coaching to give you some of the tools. But what really it takes the most of is the willingness, the willingness to risk it. And that's what I hope your listeners take away. That it really is the risk that is worth it.
0: Yeah. You gotta be you this is that this is one of those things that it you gotta practice the art of getting comfortable with the uncomfortable because oftentimes that being authentic may feel uncomfortable, but it's necessary.
2: Yes. And mm. and we learn. We learn through doing. So we have to practice. If we want new behaviors, new visions, new beliefs to stick, then we have to repeatedly practice them. And we have to check in and test, well, how is it going?
0: That That is so, so very true. So, Tell people, Deborah, if they want to learn more about your work and they want to connect with you and your team, how can they do that?
2: So you can go to our website, sunstone-coaching.com, and right up at the top, you'll see a get in contact with us button, and you can send us an email, and we can begin to have a connection on how we can help you with whatever challenges you're having.
0: And the website, I can attest to this, it's a, it's a beautiful website. And you have a be- beautiful video, one of you specifically, where people can actually get to see you talk That's about right. the work that That's you do. That's right. Yes.
2: Right on the front page, there's an icon with a logo. You can hear why we developed the way we did, what our passions are, the things that we can help you with, and then you can explore. Um, and I invite people to, to check us out.
0: Well, that is awesome. And, Deborah, I am so happy that you are back and you have an open invitation to keep coming back. And I know we may have some of your team members join us yes. as guests. But thank you, thank you for joining us. Thank you for everything that you do. And uh, I am excited to be able to do this again, this again in the very near future.
2: Oh, Alex, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. And, Stephen, as always, So nice to hear from you,
0: too. Same here. And with that, we've reached the top of the hour. Stephen, how can people get a hold of you? Stephen the Medium, everywhere, in the sky, on the ground, just
1: everywhere. Stephen the Medium, website, social media. You just find me. Yeah. Yeah
0: just authentically find steven the medium steven absolutely this was a really awesome conversation I absolutely really, really appreciate uh deborah listening uh, and, and understanding better what authenticity is and you can find me at Coach legs anywhere also in the sky probably next to steven so if you see steel that's us the two of us mine's Together. first <laughs> you're always first steven <laughs> so with that said have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Don't forget, right after us is the amazing Mark. Mark Jukebox. Steven, can you say Mark's Jukebox?
1: It's an amazing show from two to four. And he does fifties, sixties, seventies, and eighties music. And what I love about Mark is that he also just gives you these tidbits of information and you know periodically or about the artist. And it's
0: it's a great, great show. It is, and you know, maybe who knows? Maybe he'll even throw in a little Christmas music here and there. So if you're, if we're lucky, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. But anyways, <laughs> have a wonderful weekend. Stay tuned for Mark's jukebox uh, coming up next. And thank you, everyone. Thank you, Mark. Bye.